Herald and News. Herald and News, your news now. Herald and News. Empowering the community. Basin Views. Herald and News, your news now. Klamath Falls, Oregon. Herald and News. Podcast. Empowering the community and serving the Klamath Basin. This is the Herald and News Basin Views Podcast. Greetings and welcome to Basin Views, a Herald and News podcast featuring interviews with local experts discussing issues important to the Klamath Basin. I'm Kurt Lidke with the Herald and News. This week, our guest is Kelly Minty Morris, Klamath County Commissioner, here to recap a busy 2018 for Klamath County, what's in the works now, and what may come up down the road. Commissioner Minty Morris, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I always like to start these off before we start delving into the nitty-gritty to get to know our guests a little bit more. You certainly... Being a local politician, you, people may know you a little bit more than, than not, but maybe what are some things that people don't know about Kelly Minty Morris? Ah, uh, you can find everything out about me by, you know, social media these days. But no, I, I, I sort of say that kidding, although I am pretty active on social media. And so I know a lot of people uh, through that. But uh, so I started my career, as you and I were um, talking before we got live here, uh, as a journalist, actually. So um, being doing things like this is kind of fun for me. I get to, like, revisit my old life. Um, but I started out, uh, well, grew up in the Willamette Valley. I uh, went to college in Tacoma, Washington, Pacific Lutheran University, studied communication and business. Uh, I was just really passionate about journalism, and I wanted to tell stories and give voice to the voiceless and all those um, really important things that journalists do. So I started as a journalist. I was a, I graduated college in like just a little over three years. I was ready to go, 21 years old, moved to Klamath for the first time to work at KOTI-TV. Uh, I like to say I was Lyle Lawrence before Lyle Lawrence, <laughs> and I started my career, you know, slinging a camera around and again telling people stories. Um, got to know a little bit even back then about government and the political process and policy making, and was always really fascinated by it. Um, but was just sort of on the other side of it. So I. Um, did that. I then moved to upstate New York for five years. I worked for a television station there that covered both upstate New York, Vermont, and even a little bit of New Hampshire. And then I was really itching to both uh, get out of journalism. Uh, I felt a little bit like it was a, a job for a young person and I was getting a little older. And I also was really longing to get back to Oregon. So I ended up moving back to the Klamath Basin. I had fell in love with Klamath as soon as I, I moved here. So it was um, it didn't take any arm twisting to get me to move back here. I came back to work for a nonprofit that probably many people are familiar with called Citizens for Safe Schools. They do really amazing work in the positive youth development field. Um, so I worked as an outreach coordinator and a communication manager for them for five years. And then I ran for office, and now here I am. It's an interesting step to go from journalism to politics. The two are always so intertwined, but they're also at kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. The job of the journalist is to try to pry information out of people who oftentimes don't want to talk. You now being a Klamath County Commissioner, oftentimes, be it executive sessions or, or other meetings with individuals, you are privy to information oftentimes long before it becomes public. So are there ever times when that little journalism bug kind of goes off in the back of your head and says, that would make a really good exclusive story right now if I was still a journalist? <laughs> um, you know, there. I, I, I think your characterization of the similarity or the, the tension between the two roles is really good. And, and I also think, though, there's a lot of similarities, and I think that's why I was drawn to one and then the other. And I think the similarity is we all work for the public. 
and we're all trying to serve the public. You know, journalists are trying to serve the public by providing them information so that they can um, take care of their families, keep their families safe, and, and be better informed citizens. And then elected officials are also serving the public in that we're trying to provide services and make good policy calls. So I, I would say at, at a base level with both roles, I was working for the public, but you're right, there's a little, there, there's probably a little tension. I would say what might be a real positive for me having the journalism background is that I truly believe in transparency. And I am always um, pushing for, and, and so are my colleagues on the board, we're always pushing for what's the, what's the maximum amount that's sort of legally allowable and appropriate and responsible that we can tell the public. Because um, we think people, you know, people, A, people pay our salaries, so they just, they're our boss and deserve to be informed. But um, it's also a matter of, I think we're all kind of collectively have the ability to be our best selves and our best community when we have access to as much information as possible. What inspired that jump going from the nonprofit into entering the political fray of running for office? You know, I get asked that a lot. I, I think probably all elected officials get asked sort of, you know, why why this? And why would you do this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you bananas? Um, and the answer is yes. No. Uh, really, I, I don't. I don't have one of those total uh, crystallizing aha moments or some one really great issue. It was just kind of this like, hey, Kelly, you love this community. You're super passionate about it. You're the kind of person that jumps in and uh, does anything you can to help and uh, tries to enact change. What a neat platform the commissioner's office would be to be that helper that you already are. Um, and so I think it was, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't sort of an aha moment, but it was more of just this, like, like this calm voice in my head that said, that's really what you ought to be doing. That's a good place for your skill set if the people want you to do it, right? I mean, elected officials, you have to get elected. And um, I've always said, I, I love this job so much. Um, I will stay and do it as long as the voters will have me. But that's the key is it's, you know, it's up to, it's up to the citizens to get to pick who they want to serve them. And um, right now, I think that I get a lot of really positive feedback. And right now, I think I'm sort of the right person at the right time. And I hope to continue to be that. And we'll see. Running for office is such a weird process that oftentimes people don't think about what they're getting into. And then once they're elected, they're like, uh-oh, wait, <laughs> what did I just get myself into? Has there been any sort of wake-up call moments where uh, you sort of stop and, wow, this is a lot more work than what I was expecting? Um, I think that it's not necessarily more work than I thought. The, the one thing that I would maybe identify or point to as something that's been a little more challenging than I was anticipating is that you, um, you hear, you typically hear from a, a very vocal minority on any issue. So, um, I, I have to always remind myself that usually, um, you're sort of hearing the people that have maybe the, the most negative or the most um, contrary view to whatever the issue is. And the vast majority of the people are 
you know, putting in their eight or 10 hours a day. They're trying to get their kids to school. They're trying to have dinner on the table. They've got a lot of other things going on and they, they're not going to take the time to be like, Hey, Commissioner Morris, that was a good call on that. Or, you know, I, I like what you're doing there because they just don't have time. And I, I don't expect them to, and I don't expect them to really think about that, but you don't get a lot of that, uh, kind of normal day in, day out feedback. You tend to hear mostly from people that are, um, you know, (laughs) that are ticked off. And, and so sometimes I, I guess I would say to, to your, to really get to your question of like, is there some days where you're like, why did I do this? It's, you do tend to hear mostly from, I, I sometimes go home and I'm like, gosh, did I make everybody mad today? (laughs) You know, like, was there anyone who was happy with me? But, but again, like I said, people are, they're just living their lives and they're not going to check in with their elected officials every day. Well, and your career path would be uh, best described perhaps as glutton for punishment, considering (laughs) you're going from journalism, a field where on a daily basis, we tend to hear from people only when they're extraordinarily angry at us (laughs) for some reason, uh, to politicians where again, there's a no win situation, no matter what you do, whether you're a journalist or a politician, you're going to make someone angry with every single thing you do. So exactly. you just kind of have so to I've roll with it. So I've gotten used to nobody being happy with me. And that, you know, my dogs, they really love me. They really think I'm great. So that, I got that going for me. Well, the role of a county commissioner uh, growing up and actually really until recent years when I got in journalism, I really didn't understand what commissioners were and what they did. The only time I ever heard commissioner was, you know, the old Batman it's 1960s TV show. You know, if you're if you got the red phone that's that's suddenly dialing up, uh, what is the role of a county commissioner, and and how does it, because it's three people, how does that panel function? The role of a county commissioner in um, somewhere like Klamath is really it's it's really interesting. So we wear two hats. Well, three of us collectively basically wear two hats. So we're, if, if you want to think of it in a business term, so, you know, oftentimes people are familiar with this model. We, we are the equivalent of the CEO of the county. So we, you know, at the end of the day, the buck stops here when it comes to hiring and firing department heads. And, you know, we've got 26 departments. Um, crafting and then um, implementing and sticking to a budget, you know, being being the fiscal uh, agent of the county, you know, all of that at the end of the day rests in the commissioners as their CEO of the county hat. But then additionally, we wear, we're also the policymakers for the whole county. So we are uh, the, the lawmaking branch. So more like the legislators in Salem, we do that at the county level. So policies and ordinances, here that are county specific we work on. So we have those two roles. And and like you mentioned, we're a three member board. So it's not as though one person is tagged with all of that. It's this collective of three independent, um, individually elected officials, nonpartisan. I think it's a really, I, I, I think it's a really great model. I really do. Um, it's, it allows for, you know, sort of these differences of opinion, differences of perspective, differences of experience that then come together to, I think, serve the public really well. Um, there is a constant, uh, uh, there's constantly compromise going on between the three of us. Uh, but what's really great about our board now and I'll, I'll, I'll share a quick example. I remember one time the three of us were invited to speak out at, I think it was Gold Dust Farms, or it was somewhere 
Um, and we each got up. We each had like five minutes to talk about our priorities. And it was really interesting because Commissioner Boyd got up and he was taught. He's very intimately involved in agricultural issues and the water issues, super knowledgeable, um, brings a really tremendous um, background and experience. So he was talking about that. Um, Commissioner DeGroote got up and he was talking about, I, I want to say, maybe some like land use related issues and uh, something with assessor and sort of efficiencies of government and he brought his background to the table and then I got up and I was talking about Oregon Tech um, which I'm really passionate about I was talking about Kingsley Air Base which I'm also passionate about and some of the the wellness and health efforts around our community and it was just fascinating because the three of us basically across the board touched on kind of all the hot button issues of the county and yet we each had expertise in different areas so I thought man, I wish all the public could see this. Like, what a great deal they're getting in that we're not all experts in the same issue. In fact, it's quite the opposite. But we all sort of come together in this, like, giving the public a little bit of everything and some expertise in everything. So the three-member board structure, I think, can be a challenge some places at some time with some individuals. Fortunately, I think as it is now here in Klamath, we've got a, we've got a pretty good setup going. It is a nonpartisan position, just like journalists are neutral, but uh, it doesn't mean that we are void of opinions. And that's very true for anyone who has ever attended a commissioner's meeting, uh, particularly uh, Commissioner Boyd has some very strong opinions on, 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 on certain things. On almost everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, and it, that, that's certainly true, you know, for, uh, for journalists, too. You know, what we present are facts and information based on what's going on. But it doesn't mean that we don't have our own internal opinions in terms of what is happening and, and why. Because of that and because of various backgrounds uh, amongst the three of you, are there certain areas where perhaps you are the specific liaison to cover because maybe your expertise is more in that area or it's just something that you're more passionate in? Um, because Klamath is such so massive in terms of scale and there's so many different issues going on. Even for three people, it seems like a lot to try to tackle all of it, right? It is. And, and that's where kind of dovetailing onto my last point, why I think the board as it's made up right now is able to be really effective, probably, and of course I'm terribly biased, but I think we're probably one of the more effective boards of the last few decades because of that exact reason. I think when I look at um, previous boards, you maybe had great experience, but very similar or very similar people with similar opinions and similar backgrounds. And I, I can see where there's some effectiveness to that, but we are, um, we really are super unique and yet uh, are able to kind of respect each other enough to get on the same page as the person who does tend to have the expertise. So I would say to kind of simplify it for the three of us, um, well, one distinct difference, uh, Commissioner Boyd is very forthcoming and it works out really good for our board that he really doesn't want to go do a lot of advocacy in Salem or Washington, D.C. That's that's not his thing. He he loves the Klamath Basin. He's great, like, 
guy on the ground, you know, boots on the ground, at the office all the time. He's he's kind of that guy, and he likes being that guy, and that's a good that's I think it's a good role for him. I, on the other hand, um, I really enjoy being involved in some of the state-level conversations um, around the areas that I'm passionate in. So, for example, I was appointed to serve on uh, by the governor to serve on the Oregon Business Development Commission. I'm very passionate around economic development issues. Um, and I s- mentioned Oregon Tech. I serve on the board of trustees for Oregon Tech. I'm really passionate about higher ed. And then for the Association of Oregon Counties, I co-chair the Health and Human Services Committee. That's sort of my other area. So I'm doing um, I, I'm here a lot in Klamath, I mean, the vast majority of the time, but I also work a lot in Salem and, um, you know, even travel to Washington, D.C. Uh, I think Commissioner DeGroote would probably say he's sort of somewhere in between. Um, and so just at, at that level, um, we're divided. You mentioned liaison assignments, and I think that this is something that is good for the public to know. We do uh, employ a liaison commissioner structure in that at the beginning of each year, we divide up who's going to do what. Because, like I mentioned, we have 26 departments. There is no way one person is going to effectively oversee 26 departments, not to mention the probably 20-plus other boards and groups that we interface with. So we've divided them all out. We work on that collaboratively each year. We've already got ourselves set up for what we're going to be doing in January. Um, If anyone is really uh, deeply interested in that, get a hold of our office. We can send you the list and you can see sort of who does what. But um, to give a sort of a broad stroke with a brush, a broad brush stroke is the phrase. Um, I'm working uh, as liaison next year to continuing to work with the clerk, our juvenile department, community corrections, the district attorney, public health. Uh, those five I know off the top of my head. I have a couple others. And then um, I mentioned Oregon Tech, Discover Klamath, the Tourism Bureau. Uh, we all work with KCDA, the Klamath County Economic Development Association. And then we each have other areas that we're assigned to. Klamath County, just in terms of its sheer scale, it's one of the largest counties in the state of Oregon, and in terms of square mileage, Oregon is one of the larger states in the the country. Just distance-wise, there's a lot of area traveled, but the majority of the population rests here in Klamath Falls. Uh, There are some, you know, small unincorporated communities. For those unincorporated communities that are sort of scattered around, particularly in the northern end of the county, which is large but largely uninhabited, too— how do you make sure that that area is not forgotten? How, how do you represent the entire county just when it's such a massive area and the population is so scattered? Yeah, that is a challenge. We do have commissioner uh, liaison commissioners specifically for uh, Gilcrest, Crescent, um, some of those areas to make sure they have a tagged person. And then uh, those communities also have what are called community action teams. So the liaison commissioner will attend their monthly meetings and make sure they know what's going on there. And I I would say, you know, there are probably people in some of those areas outside of the more urban area that probably at times feel like they maybe don't see their commissioners enough, but we certainly all give it a good effort. I know over the last year, Commissioner Boyd, for example, has been liaison to Sprague River. 
And he has spent a lot of time out there, you know, to, to compliment him and to his credit. So, um, yeah, it's a big county. We drive around a lot. I know I heard it's sort of similarly, but a little different. I heard Congressman Walt, one of someone on Congressman Walden's staff when I was in D.C. recently talking about how his district, which includes Klamath, is the largest in the entire country, right? So to sort of underline your point, Oregon's big, Klamath County's big. Um, we got a lot of ground to cover. Well, I am curious in terms of jurisdictions and how that works between counties and incorporated cities, uh, cities that have mayors and town councils, how those relationships work, because they become jurisdiction at, at city limits, right? So Merrill, Malin, Klamath Falls, places like that. The commissioners aren't necessarily operating those places, whereas, uh, you know, you mentioned Sprague River and, and Crescent, smaller communities. You are essentially the mayor and city council, right? Correct. So it's... It, you know, I think that's one thing that can probably be kind of confusing for people is they're like, well, why can't the commissioners do X? And it's something that's really squarely in the city of Klamath Falls. Um, so the way it basically works is, you know, cities are, I, I guess for, I'm not sure if this is the most appropriate word, but I'll use this. They're, they're empowered to do what they're going to do. You know, they, they can have their own ordinances, their own rules, and their um, their own way of doing things, and we cede that you know authority to them. And then, but anything outside of um, those incorporated cities, that's that's our responsibility. So what's really interesting about the way that Klamath Falls is laid out is that it's really confusing because you have a city with city boundaries drawn, then you have what's called an urban growth area around it. In Altamont. Yes, and <laughs> and the infamous Altamont that's on, you know, a map in Google and yet doesn't exist. So I shouldn't say it exactly like that, but you know what I mean. Well, you I'm, know, I'm I, sort of tongue-in-cheek. I technically live in Altamont, but the only time I know that is when tax season comes around. Exactly. It's the only time I can figure out exactly. what part I live in. So you've got this urban growth area around it that actually, in our case, is just as uh, populated and just really as big as the city of Klamath Falls. So it's almost like you have these two cities uh, butted up against each other, and it's confusing for people. They say, you know, well, I live in Klamath Falls, that's my address, but they maybe don't live in the city or they, you know, or they think like, but I'm a county, you know, everybody's a county resident. So it, it just, it can get really confusing. But I would um, recommend to people, if you ever really do want to look at it and see the boundaries, um, the assessor's office, which is just in the Klamath County Government Center, they're wonderful. The assessor, Nathan Bigby, super approachable. They'll help, you know, they'll show you the map and show you where the boundaries are and all of that good stuff. That now becomes an interesting issue in terms of regulations, because in our November election, uh, some people were curious, well, why couldn't they vote on this issue? And that's because technically they weren't in city of Klamath Falls. But the voters did speak and Measure 18.112 did pass, allowing recreational marijuana in the city of Klamath Falls. This is something that Lake County, our neighbors to the east, have had to deal with because town of Lakeview opted in when Measure 91 was first passed, but the county opted out. Now, the county still has an opt-out clause, is my understanding, but the obvious conclusion here is that now that uh, Measure 18.112 passed in the city of Klamath Falls, the next push, the next effort may be to push that on a countywide level. For now, going forward, as regulations become established in terms of how to deal with Measure 18.112 and recreational marijuana within the city of Klamath Falls, 
I can certainly sympathize with our local law enforcement in terms of how they enforce, if I stand here, it's legal. If I stand here, it's not legal. When people don't even know if they're in the city of Klamath Falls or Altamont or Urban Growth Boundary to, be, to begin with. Um, do you foresee some issues in terms of regulations or has this come up previously with other issues where some areas in incorporated communities, it's legal, but you take one step outside of that and suddenly it's, it's a county issue that needs to be addressed? I think you hit the nail on the head in that it is going to be a challenge for law enforcement. There's going to be a learning curve, both for the public and for um, our law enforcement, in how this this plays out. Uh, I'm not privy to how far the city is in terms of the time, manner, place regulations that they've come up with. Um, I'm I'm sort of watching that issue probably in the same way that the public is, as somebody who's not directly involved, but kind of curious about how how it rolls out. So um, yeah, it'll be some some interesting times. I know there's a lot of smart people working on it and wanting to get it right. Um, I think that that's maybe what I guess what we should focus on now is that yes, there's been a lot of controversy around it. Um, but now we need to focus on, all right, the people have spoke. Let's let's get this right. And one area that I think would be pretty comparable to that is the air quality program that's um, been going on for several years here to, to try to improve overall uh, air quality improvement in the city of Klamath Falls. But the restrictions that were placed on that don't apply to urban growth boundary. And uh, I, I think not uh, Altamont folks, it doesn't apply either. May, maybe I'm wrong on that. But um, I've talked to some of the, the folks that work in public health that have been very frustrated by those efforts in hearing from people who are trying to abide by it, but then their neighbors right across the street are burning on red, red days and, and caution days because they're technically in the urban growth boundary. Right. And, and there are, um, a, again, that's sort of the... If you look at Klamath Falls in general, just being pretty unique in having such a large urban growth area that really does rival the size of, uh, obviously, the size of a small city because it's basically the same amount of people. Um, it's it's just something that we have that not every community has that we're going to have to, um, you know, struggle with a little, but I, I guess what I would suggest to folks is that if this is something they're really passionate about, get involved. Um, there are so many ways to get involved in public service in this community, whether it's serving on an advisory board, um, of course, you know, running for office, that's always an option too, but there are just, um, I think people would be surprised at how many commissions, committees, advisory boards there are where they can get involved and really um, impact the future of our community. A great example is the Planning Commission. The County Planning Commission and the Klamath Falls City Planning Commission, those are huge decisions that those volunteer members make that really shape the vision and the future of, of our community. And oftentimes we struggle to get people to volunteer. And I always think to myself, like, oh my gosh, if people knew what an impact you can have by serving on this, they would be like knocking down our door to serve on it. So um, I would just encourage people, get involved. Um, if you're curious on how to get involved, again, our office is super accessible. Call us, go to the county website, klamathcounty.org, you know, find out how to do it. Very easy, one-page application, super simple stuff. We are looking for good people to help shape the future of this community. 
the commissioners acting as essentially CEOs of the county, you are also in charge of finances and budgets. And I know there's lots of different funds that are scattered out. You set a, a budget and then throughout the course of the year at various meetings, there's people who come asking for uh, for additional funding to help with this or that. I know just recently there were some funds granted to KCC and then there's been the Klamath Union Project and, and all those. How does budgeting and finance work within the county in terms of all the different funds that you have uh, from the base numbers that you establish and then knowing that during the course of the year there may be things that come up? We have a really wonderful uh, chief finance officer and chief budget officer. Um, Sue and Vicki, they are incredible, very professional, and they are, you know, they're the experts. But we, as the Board of Commissioners, are really intimately involved in all the financial decision-making. I guess I would, I would say maybe to kind of simplify it, we set the priorities and we... Um, we say where we think we want resources directed, and then they're really the ones who keep track of, crunch the numbers, I guess is maybe a basic term for it. So yes, um, the county finance office, which isn't just the finance officer and the budget officer, they're the, the leadership of it, but it's a you know eight to 10 member department that's doing all the stuff that you would think of, again, to use the, the business model. They're doing things like payroll and accounting and paying bills and all of that, but um, but also keeping track of a budget. So uh, there are a lot of strict r rules and laws related to government budgets. You know, you can't, you literally can't overspend. You can't not pass a balan balanced budget. Although some of the things that I think people don't know because they just always hear like, oh, government spends too much money or whatever. Well, we're, we're literally not legally allowed to not pass a balanced budget. So, so we do that. But the budgeting piece is, um, it's a big deal. I mean, you you get to decide the priorities of where the dollars go. However, I would share with folks that um, in many ways, you do have some discretion, but not always a ton, because most of the money we get is uh, really restricted on where it can go. Your property tax dollars are what they go into what we call the general fund. That's the fund that we can have some discretion over, but there's lots of other funds, you know, the money that we get from gas tax or the money we get through the federal government, that's very tightly restricted to certain things. So um, on one hand, yes, we have some discretion, but for people who think like, oh, the commissioners can just kind of spend whatever they want where they want, it's really, it's it's pretty nailed down and pretty dialed in. There's not a lot of flexibility there. Is there some frustration that comes up from time to time when organizations don't necessarily understand that? And, uh, you know, we've had some some recent things come up. There's been some discrepancies uh, with the Klamath Union High School massive remodel. And, of course, they got hit with uh, increased construction costs from original design, uh, you know, expenses were raised up. And their first thought was, hey, we can just come to the commissioners and ask for a check. Um, that seems to happen often where uh, something gets started and then they kind of look towards the county as a bailout option to help. Um, does that get frus frustrating with the, the budget time? And do you have to kind of anticipate that largely when, when looking at next year's budget? So a couple things. I do want to clarify the, the Klamath Union uh, ask because I think that that's been confusing for people, understandably. So we were given the, we do have funds um, that came that were 
that are earmarked for roads that we were able to build up a pretty healthy reserve back in the day when we were getting a lot of what are called secure rural schools dollars. So we built up a really healthy reserve fund, thankfully, uh, to protect our roads and bridges. And a couple years ago, through some legislation um, that the Oregon legislature worked on, they devised this uh, program, basically, where you could loan money out of those funds um, if you were going to get a higher return rate than you were currently getting out of the state investment pool. So basically, before we were required, and I know this gets a little into the weeds, but I think it's important for people to know. So basically, in the past, we're, we were required to... Uh, basically invest our money in the state state treasury pool, which really returned like a half a percent. Like we were getting like nothing on those dollars essentially. So the legislature goes, you know, we'll give counties the ability, certain counties the ability to loan those funds to other, essentially other governmental entities for a higher return rate. So basically what we're acting as when we do this project with Klamath Union is we're, we're acting like a bank. We're not acting as the county, and I'm using air quotes, giving them money. We're, we're acting like the bank of Klamath County, mm-hmm. loaning you money for, and you're paying a return on it that's more than we were getting. So we look at it as, well, I guess I should, I guess I should speak for myself, but I'm, I'm pretty confident this is what my colleagues would say as well. I mean, I look at it as we're doing right by the county taxpayer because we're getting more of a return of investment by making what we consider a very safe loan, right? I mean, it's it's the city schools. They're a governmental partner. It's not a, I've used this phrase before, and I hope people kind of get it, but it's not what I would call a mom loan. And what I what I mean by that, and if my mom listens to this, she'll probably get after me. But it's not like, hey, mom, I want to borrow 20 bucks, and I might pay you back, I might not, type thing. This is, this is written out by lawyers, just in the same way a bank would, with you know penalties if it's not repaid. So this is not the county giving the city schools money because they didn't do right by their project, as some people have characterized it. This is the county getting a better return on dollars that we have sitting in a reserve account. But it does also help the city finish their project, the city school. So I view it as a real win-win. Well, and there is a difference between grants and loans, and sometimes that can get confusing because, uh, you know, talking about that Klamath Union project where it is a loan compared to the $50,000 that uh, commissioners just recently pledged to give to Klamath Community College with assistance on their new construction project, the Industrial uh, Skills and Trade Center. Exactly. And thank you for making that distinction. We did pledge uh, what would be considered more like a grant, a, a commitment to KCC. I'm thrilled with their project. It, it really hits on a huge need in not just this community, really around the state, but uh, very prevalent here of uh, those types of jobs that don't necessarily, you know, that don't aren't college degree, you know, four-year degree type stuff, but that are super important. You know, we're really lacking in plumbers and electricians and those in the construction field. And I'm really so pleased with our community college for meeting the needs of this community um, in helping continue to develop a really good workforce. And that's, uh, I mean, the demand for it is obvious. Ask any 
local electrician or or plumber or quality mechanic, uh, maybe they can fit you in three weeks from now. <laughs> so uh, if if you're looking for, for work, you know, maybe the four-year de- degree isn't necessarily the correct approach. And I, I've always felt about this. Both my parents worked in education. A lot of my family's been in education. Not everyone is cut out for four-year college. But that doesn't mean that they might make an incredible mechanic if vocational training is available or or whatever specific you know trade field that they want want to go into and there's only going to be more of a demand in in those types of fields it's really important that amidst this cultural trend of thinking well you have to go to college well you can also have a very successful very high paying career going through the alternative of, of vocational training so i i agree it is fantastic that kcc is recognizing that and not thinking well everyone in, in today's market has to have a four year degree in order to be successful no you need to have proper training for whatever field you you want to apply yourself in oh exactly i i i mean i'm a huge fan of higher ed, like I mentioned before, I sit on the board of trustees for Oregon Tech, um, you know, went to, got the four-year degree thing. I am not kidding. I wish I had the, 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 the skill set or, and the passion to be a plumber because you could write your own ticket. I mean, some of those jobs are incredibly, um, you know, stable, well-compensated jobs that are not highly competitive any, you know, anymore because they're just dying for people. I so wish I had that skill set. <laughs> then, you know, I wouldn't have people yelling at me all the time. People would actually probably be excited to see me. Um, but, but in all, you know, I love what I do. But in all honesty, there really are um, a lot of jobs out there that I hope that we can get our, our young people engaged in and excited about because they can, you know, they can write their own ticket then. Well, your job does involve some travel, as you alluded to. And recently, you traveled all the way out to the East Coast. Tell me uh, what exactly you were doing out in Washington, D.C. I recently made uh, an advocacy trip to Washington, D.C., really specifically to talk about the future of Kingsley Air Base. I feel really strongly that we uh, need to be keeping our eye on what's next for Kingsley. We know the F-15 is an aging aircraft. It's a wonderful aircraft that has, you know, continues to serve us well and has served us well, but it's an aging aircraft. Uh, We have, so Kingsley is, and I mean, I, I, I can't really overstate this. Kingsley is one of the major gems of this community. Um, and, and not just this community, for the state of Oregon and for this country. Well, and the relationship between the Air Force and the community in general is really unique, too. It's super unique. I mean, we are the only place in the country where an air base has a lease with a city that goes out 95 years. In fact, to hear Colonel Smith talk about it on the, the Air Force side, the sort of the people in the chain were like, what? You got a 95-year lease? Like, how'd you pull that off? Nobody's getting that. And it's because of this community's commitment to the base, not to mention the fact that our airspace is really unique in its um, in its uncongestedness, if, if that's a word. We'll have to look that up later. But the fact that it's not congested, I'll say it that way, um, our guys and gals can get up at any hours of the day as much as they want. Um, they have that community support, so they don't get noise complaints. And this is a huge issue that many people probably don't think of. We're one of the few areas where there's not uh, what they call encroachment issues. So a really, you know, growing urban area that's just budding right up against the base. You know, we have, we've got, they've got room to breathe out there. So um, 
because of all those things, Kingsley is a huge asset for our country. So I went to D.C. to make sure that the members of the Senate Arms Committee, uh, their staffers who work on legislative issues, specifically around military-related issues, that they know what Kingsley is, They've you know that they've heard of it, why it's such an incredible asset, and that we're poised and ready for a future mission. I felt like the trip was really successful. I was very well received. Um, I was in offices like uh, Senator Kane, Senator Cotton, Senator King, and then, of course, our Oregon delegation, you know, reminding Senators Wyden and Merkley, you know, these are some of the things we could be doing, and then, of course, spent some time with Congressman Walden. So it was a fast and furious two days <laughs> in Washington, D.C., um, but I, I, I feel like that's the, that's, part of my charge and my job to work on the political side. You know, you've got the Air Force side, and we have some amazing leadership at Kingsley Air Base. Uh, you know, of course, Colonel Smith and then lots of others. Uh, they're doing great work to on the military side, but then there's the political side too, and that's the side I get to work on. There's another aspect of politicians that I've always been somewhat envious of, and I don't know how they do it. And you bring up Senator Wyden's name. Every time that Senator Wyden comes to town that I've covered a town hall or, or an event, he always remembers me. And he remembers that I spent time in L.A., that I worked in the entertainment industry before I got into journalism, that I'm a duck fan. He remembers, <laughs> like, and uh, it floors me every time. And to an extent, I know you interact with a lot, lot of different people, but on a more, more local level. But so many people who are in politics have this incredible ability to remember everyone that they encounter, and things about them. Now, just stop and think for a moment, how many people over the course of, of a day senators interact with? And the fact that someone could remember every year details about someone and who they are and their name every single time. I'm like, how do you do that? That's incredible. It is. And it, but you know what I think it speaks to is that at the end of the day, you know, I know a lot of people are critical of quote-unquote politicians. Mm -hmm. I, I use the term elected officials. I know a lot of people are, are critical of, um, of them, you know, us. But um, I think what it speaks to is really most people get into this because they genuinely like and want to help people. Um, I, you know, I think this, like, politics has gotten so bananas with and, and so much tensions on, on both ends. It is not reserved for, you know, conservatives or liberals or it's on, it's on all sides. Mm -hmm. Everybody's, uh, there's a lot of people that are being nasty to a lot of people. Um, but I think if you really kind of think about the people that are drawn to becoming an elected official, it's probably be because they want to help people, not because there's some evil genius that, you know, wants to manipulate people. It's probably because they like people. It's probably because they want to help people. Uh, at least that's what I like to think. So to your point of, you know, how do they remember? It's probably because they like you. You know, it's <laughs> they like probably like most of the people that they meet. And so, you know, they take an interest. And um, But I've, I've noticed that, too. I've, I've joked. Well, Congressman Walden is honestly, in my mind, one of the most incredible humans because not only can he do that, but he remembers like everything about every topic you've even talked about. And I I get blown away because I'm like, can some guy can somebody trip this guy up? Like say throw something at him that he doesn't know something about. It's like every time you talk to him, the guy knows everything about and not in an arrogant way, but he just 
like knows everything about everything and everyone and remembers and yeah they've, they're all pretty incredible I, I wish I was wired that way because there's some days I can't remember what I did five minutes ago much <laughs> like, it, it always surprised me anytime that there's like a a trial going on and they're asking a witness what happened January 3rd 1987 where were you it's like I don't even remember what I did last week how, how are you supposed I'm to with you. <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about 2018 because we are coming to the very tail end of the year now um it's been a very busy year in the commissioner's office. Are there any issues that you've been able to tackle you're particularly proud of? Uh, anything that's still kind of left open that's concerning or things that you're looking at coming into the next year? Uh, give us kind of a recap of the work that was done in 2018. 2018 has been a really, really busy year around our office. And I want to take this moment first to compliment my uh, fellow commissioners. Um, they have each in their own respect and sort of in their own lane of interest been working really hard on a lot of projects. Um, I would say that some of the things that rise to the top of my memory and like we were just saying, I'm like, what did I eat breakfast this morning? Like <laughs> it does get kind of hard to remember, but I would say to, to go like maybe big picture on some of the things that we've worked on, um, we're all really passionate around cleaning up this community, the blight issue. So, um, and that that has a lot of different for, formats. You know, we've worked on um, getting rid of blighted properties in the county. We've worked on setting up a program where there will be some funding available for community cleanup. Um, we've we've worked on just what's the word I want to use? Um, just selling off basically uh, county properties that weren't being used to get them in better hands and then also to get funding to then help support some of these cleanup efforts. So I would say one major priority for all three of our board members, and Commissioner Boyd has definitely taken the lead on this, has been this general, let's get this community looking better. Let's do more code enforcement. That's been huge. That's been a huge priority really for all three of us that we've put a lot more resources and attention on. And a special little shout out to not only our code enforcement office, but our staff in the commissioner's office has also been engaged on that as well as some volunteers. So code enforcement blight cleanup has been a huge area um, that we've all worked on that I think a lot has been accomplished in 2018. I would also say um, economic development continues to be a huge priority area for the board. Um, we've directed more resources toward Kceda over the last you know the last handful of years than used to be done in the past because we really believe that having robust um, a robust economic development agency is very important because that's important to all of us. And then we've all gotten involved in different projects as they've come and they've sort of fit in with our different skill sets. Economic development, community cleanup and blight. And then I might identify thirdly, just general governmental efficiency has been important to all three of us and has uh, come up and has come up in different ways over the year. But things like, um, you know, do we have do we have the right amount of vehicles? You know, do we have the right fleet size? Are we um, are we making things as efficient as we can for the end user, the member of the public? Like, can they use a debit card and a credit card when they come to pay a county bill? You know, things like that that just sort of speak to efficiency. Um, and this is where, you know, again, we each bring our unique perspective. We've each kind of tackled it in in different ways and bitten off different pieces. But I would say in general, I can say confidently, 
that after an entire year, Klamath looks better. We have more economic development-related activity going on, just more growth in general, and we have a greater level of efficiency in the way we provide governmental services, which I I think is pretty pretty good for a year. Any specific projects that were completed over the course of the year that you want to highlight? Um, yeah, I mean there have there have been, and now you know we've been talking a long time, and my brain's getting a little um, shaky. I, I mean it's honestly because there have been probably so many. Um, like I said, you know we've we've stood up this whole blight community cleanup program that literally wasn't there before. Um, we've invested more resources in code enforcement. So now people can, we have a volunteer code enforcement team and uh, our, our code enforcement officers that can go and like take a picture or the public can take a picture of something that's they think is in code violation or an eyesore, shoot it to our staff and it can we can have a code enforcement officer look at it right away. We weren't doing those kind of things before. Um, one project that I'm incredibly proud of that's like, I think the quintessential doing government right project is a project we, our public works department just completed on Old Fort Road. We had uh, community members from that, that, that live on that road coming to, I, I think it was even as back, far back as the previous board, but certainly this board too, saying our road is dangerous in the winter. We have, you know, regularly have people sliding off. It's, um, it, it's, it gets super icy just the way, you know, it doesn't get hit by the sun. And, you know, could we, could we get it paved this? So we had our public works department start to look into it. Initially, we got proposals. Uh, we had an engineering firm do some work that were in the sort of on the low end, the, the low cost pr- proposal was maybe $1.3 million. The full enchilada proposal was something like $3.5 million to pave it all the way. Our public works director, Jeremy Morris, really highly qualified guy, been here maybe a little over a year, said, you know, I'm looking at this. What if we did, and he had a totally different idea that was incredibly low cost, literally ended up being something that our crews could do to kind of do some widening and some changes and tweaks, um, tweaks to the grade, where he was able to do a project mostly with our own um, crews that was something like, I'm not kidding, like $30,000. Fixed. We are getting letters um, and you know kudos and phone calls from the Old Fort Road residents. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for fixing our road. It's the best it's been. So this is something that could have cost had we been more careless about it. Three point five million dollars. Got it done in a way that really is serving the public, and it's done for like thirty thousand dollars. I mean that's something we I, I think our board can be really proud of. What are some of the issues that the commissioners are currently addressing or looking at delving into uh, in 2019? The Klamath County commissioners are going to be continuing to look at how do we promote business and economic growth here. We're going to be continuing to look at our, our budget. It's been a challenge that over the last several years we've needed to use reserve dollars to basically continue to fund the sheriff at the level that we all think is appropriate. Um, It's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, that's why you have reserve dollars, but it's not sustainable forever. So we are depleting um, our, our dollars, our reserve dollars, both in 
the money that we really should be utilizing for public works to do roads and bridges, um, and also, you know, using them to fill this sort of yearly hole for the sheriff. So we're going to need to try to figure out a long-term solution for that. I would say that's that's a biggie. Um, continuing to figure out how to be the most business-friendly and promote economic development. Um, and then, finally, uh, I know we're all really committed to actually doing intentionally a strategic planning process, which when you look at an animal as big as county government with 26 different departments, that's going to be a big project. But you also, it's hard to get somewhere where you don't know where where you're trying to go. So we all think that doing some actual strategic planning is really important. Over the course of your time as a commissioner, is there one accomplishment that you are proudest of? Or one moment where you kind of came in and felt like, hey, I saved the day. All right. <laughs> um, that's a really tough question. There, There's a lot of things I'm proud of. Um, I don't know if, if, if this, I, I feel like this is a really hard question. Um, I, I'm not going to maybe say that this is the one, but I will tell you one. So one thing that I am very, very proud of is our recent designation, um, Klamath County, uh, by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, um, getting the Culture of Health Prize. Here's why I'm really proud of that. This is a community that has had, uh, that has ranked of the 36 counties, like 35th in terms of the worst health outcomes. And yet several years ago, um, at the, you know, with the inspiring people like, um, you know, Stephanie and Catherine Pope, you know, they worked and they brought the Blue Zones project here. And, you know, some people have a little bit of their a bad taste in their mouth about the Blue Zones project. And I could talk hours on end about why the Blue Zones project is, is really good and doing the right thing. But the bottom line is it got people focused on something positive. It's hard to really say that we don't want our community to be vibrant and healthy and attract, you know, an attractive community where people want to come. So what the Blue Zones Project really does is kind of rally everyone on the same page, at least, about let's try to make our people healthier, let's make our community viable into the future. What the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Culture of Health Prize did was recognize all these strides that this community is making. So here you have this community that several years ago was ranking almost dead last in health outcomes, getting this super prestigious prize that only four communities in the whole nation got this year. That's incredible. Only We're only the second time an Oregon community has ever got this distinction. So that's a really, really big deal. So whether I say it's maybe the best thing that I've been part of in office, I'm not sure. But it's certainly one thing that I think our whole community should be incredibly, incredibly proud of. Final question, then we'll let you go. We appreciate all of your time here. Um, looking ahead, as you mentioned briefly in, in that response, Klamath County was largely built on the timber industry. The timber industry will always be a part of Klamath County, but it will never be what it once was. Uh, this community and this area is one that's having to adjust, sometimes you know, grudgingly so, adjust to changing times. Over in Lake County, there's been very heavy investment in renewable energies and solar panels and geothermal, and they're really trying to look at that as their future um, biofuel uh, production, as opposed to thinking, well, we will just survive in the old ways. 
How is Klamath County going to survive going forward being viable into the future? I think what's really special about Klamath County is how many, what a diverse set of um, strengths that we have. So you're right. We have, you know, we've had timber. We we have had a natural resource-based economy and that has served us very well. You know, we've been very fortunate to have in the past such an abundance of timber resources. Um, We have agriculture. That's Huge. I mean, the I, I didn't know this until I, I've actually heard this cited before, but I sometimes forget. We are the we're the biggest organic agricultural place in the state. I don't think people think about that when they think of Klamath. That's an incredible resource that we have here. Um, I, I mentioned several times Kingsley Air Base. I mean, we are the only place that trains F-15 pilots. And then, of course, I talk so much about Oregon Tech and KCC. People, there are so many communities in this state that would die to have the higher ed, um, the the caliber of higher ed. That you know, Oregon Tech is turning out some of the most amazing graduates. Not only in our state, they're statistically the highest paid, the people that are the highest paid upon graduation, but really, like in the whole Pacific Northwest, regularly recognized as being amazing in that respect. And then you mentioned renewable energy. That's a huge um, booming area. Klamath County, not just just energy in general, we are an energy powerhouse. So when you talk about the potential of energy, natural resource development, what we have going on with the military and then higher ed and agriculture and timber, it's incredible the amount, the diversity of areas of opportunity that we have here. And I think what's really important for all of us is to remember that we can continue to redefine who we are um, based on all these amazing attributes. We don't have to just be one thing. And I, we certainly should never think that our best days are behind us. I completely believe our best days are still ahead of us. Our guest today has been Kelly Minty Morris, Klamath County Commissioner. Kelly, thank you for taking some time out to speak to us about a wide variety of topics that we've, we've covered today. And uh, best of luck going forward in terms of all of the difficult issues that the commission have to tackle in 2019. Thanks. And I hope everyone, you know, has a, a wonderful holiday.